0: What's up? It is another episode of the Crimson Corner. We are back after a little bit of a week off, although we did about two episodes in one week to kind of make up for the short week that Utah had because of uh, playing on Thursday in Pullman, and it was uh, quite the game. I am, of course, your host, Michelle Bodkin, your Utah Utes Insider with KSLSports.com, and this week I am bringing on special guest, Cole Bagley. He is the managing editor of Sports Illustrated for Utah and does a lot of fun NIL stuff with with the team. And so he has a lot of good insight and I can't wait to pick his brain on where Utah currently stands, what they have to do, and getting a little more detail on what exactly makes this team tick. Cole, how are you?
1: I'm doing great, Michelle. Thanks so much for having me on can't wait to jump into it as we you know enter the the last month of the season.
0: I know it's crazy that we're already towards the end point. Uh you know something that I feel like is a little bit different this year than last year is well Utah had to deal with incredible incredible tragedy last year that I am so glad they are not dealing with this year. They are a little more bin by the injury bug than they were the previous year you know what what are your feelings on kind of what's going on with the injuries and how they fared after that Washington State game
1: yeah it's 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 been honestly kind of brutal for Utah this season um you know you lose a guy like Keithy and then you know you have that scare with Kincaid rising doesn't play last week um yeah the injury bug has been I mean I think in recent maybe the last few years this has been one of the tougher seasons for the youths to um have to overcome that aspect of college football but uh to be honest I was really impressed with um the way that they've handled themselves I think they've I think the adversity that they've gone through in terms of of injuries they've um they've really figured it out I think that they've called on you know other players other names you know when 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 they lost Keithy Devon Bailey really seemed to step up um, last week. You know, they obviously got to play with Kincaid through the majority of that game. Um, but with Rising sitting out, you know, Bryson Barnes answered the call and showed that, uh, you know, he's a real deal. Uh, not that he's at the level of Rising currently, but uh, he he proved that the Rose Bowl wasn't some fluke, that this guy can manage the offense. He can go out there and, and, uh, and compete. And uh, yeah, so I think, you know, while it has been difficult to, watch this team experience injuries what's impressed me the most maybe this season is how they've um, just pushed through and and it's been a next man up mentality and for the most part they've they've uh, delivered
0: you actually got to watch things unfold from home and in some ways that was a better vantage point than what those of us that were in Pullman got Mm -hmm. to witness you know, when Bryson Barnes trotted out onto the field, what were your thoughts? And then watching the game, what was your reaction to how the sideline was reacting to what Barnes was doing?
1: Yeah, so I'm, I'm sitting there and, and I didn't travel to Pullman like you mentioned. And outcomes number 16. Um, you know, the, the, the first shot we saw of him was in a huddle and it was kind of a shot, you know, a side view. And I see sixteen on the jersey. I'm like, "That's not Cam. That's (laughs) Bryson." And all of a sudden, you know, I'm sitting there with uh, with my wife, and she's like, "What? Bryson's in the game?" I'm like, "Yeah, he's he's out there. Like we're getting the Bryson Barnes show." And obviously, I you know, I don't think that really any of us knew that that was coming. Mm -mm. Um, You know, we we knew we knew that we weren't going to see Tavion and 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 potentially Mackay, but you know, this Bryson Barnes coming on the field is a total shock. And so, um, you know. It, it was a little bit of, okay, you know, what are we going to see here? But at the same time, you know, the relationship that I, I I'm able to have with Bryson because of, you know, the NIL stuff we do with him and, and the, um you know, the hard work that he's put in and the relationship, I was excited for him. You know, I think a lot of Utah fans were, were kind of worried for a little bit. There was some ridiculousness going on on Twitter and message boards as there always is. Um, but he, he stepped up and, and he did incredible things. And, and what was also awesome to see uh, your second question of seeing what, you know, how the sideline was reacting is, um, you know, rising rising was never, never looked panicked or that Bryson was out there. You know, it never, and and I had a conversation with Jalen Glover on a podcast this last week where I I asked him, I said, you know, what, what was, what was going through your heads, you know, coaching staff players, what were you guys thinking, you know, when you knew, okay, it's not rising it's Bryson. And, you know, he said the coaches and the team never wavered. You know, we, we have full confidence in Bryson, you know, based off the things that he's done in, in practices. And, and he's like, I play, I play alongside him a lot. And he's like, I wasn't worried. You know, I, I was comfortable. You know, we know what Bryson can do. And so he said that there was no lack of confidence um, in, in, in Barnes. And, you, you know, you saw that on the broadcast.
0: Speaking of Jalen Glover, uh, you know, he was another guy that was kind of asked to step up and and play a bigger role than has maybe been put on his shoulders before now, just a true freshman, uh, and of course also JaQuinton Jackson who's made the switch from quarterback to running back. And again, I don't want to play it up. Like Joe Quindon has no clue how to play running back. He does have some experience. It's just been several years. And obviously college football is a little bit of a different level than say like junior high or high school football. But how do you think those two did, uh, you know, filling in for four guys like Tavion Thomas, who did not make the trip? uh, And of course, Mackay Bernard, who was used very, 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 very sparingly, really only in blocking
1: situations. You know, Jalen, Jalen has like the heart of a lion. You know, that's a kid that that just wants to go out there and and perform and, and give 100%. And I think he did. Um, you know, he he had a slight. He kind of tweaked his ankle. I think he said that a defender kind of fell on it. He stepped off for a minute, but came back in. I think he had like twenty carries. Um, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I think he had like seventy six yards. Um, Something thereabouts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seventy. Yeah, around seventy yards and a touchdown and uh, a couple of big plays. You know, I mean that that touchdown obviously was big to help give Utah the lead. I think he had a third or fourth down uh, reception. Um, That kept the, you know, kept the sticks moving. And I think eventually led to a touchdown. I can't remember if it was his or Jaquindon's. And then on the final drive, you know, he picked up a first down. And, you know, a lot of hype around this kid. And I think, you know, he's showing why that's the case. Um, He's still young. um, But every time I watch Jalen, I think he's just a step away from, you know, exploding. You know, there's, in the times that we've seen him out there, you know, and especially you know, recently against Washington State, there's there's quite a few plays where you know if he has just a little extra, if he takes maybe one more step this way, you know, or he has a little more speed, um, or you know, maybe you know makes a spin that way, or, or ducks his head, or he maybe he gets to the you know the B gap instead of the the A gap, um, you know, he's he's gonna develop and and be you know a big time name for this Utah football team and that's something that that Whittingham talked about I can't remember if it was the post-game press conference or or Monday's presser but that's something that he specifically talked about is you know we have a lot of faith in him we have a lot of high hopes for him because he you know I I think he used the word marinate you know as as Jalen you know gets more comfortable in this system in the college game he is going to be an awesome player and I think we're seeing that you know like I said he's just one step away. And then Jaquindin, man, I love his willingness to just do whatever the team needs him to do. Um, You know, the transfer here to go through the things that he's gone through, um, the relationships that he had with, with Ty Jordan and Aaron Lowe and to stick with football Um, and not only to stick with football, but then to be asked to change positions um, to play running back, which he hasn't done for a while after, you know, he, he, he lost a tough, you know, quarterback race for the backup position and to go into the backfield behind Bryson and to take reps. It's, it's incredible. You know, that that's the kind of attitude that you want, um, on your football team is someone that's willing to do whatever is asked. And, And Jaquinnon is clearly that, and I thought he played great. Um, you know, it wasn't anything dazzling or, or, you know, incredible. I mean, there was that one it was that one play where he lowered his shoulder and absolutely just destroyed that defender. Um, that was pretty, that was pretty remarkable. That's, you know, I mean, obviously you hope that that Washington state defender's okay, but um, you know, as, as a running backs coach, I'm sure that, you know, coach Q is, is loving what he's seeing out of Jaquin and just the willingness to, to not only go to the position, but then to embrace it, you know, he's not afraid. And so um, I love what we saw from both those guys, you know, that wasn't, you know, neither of them go for over a hundred yards. It's nothing, you know, we're not seeing these big runs yet, but they're young and they're, they're, they're getting, you know, valuable experience. And I don't know, maybe a season or two down the road, they've got this two headed beast, this two headed monster. We'll see what happens with Jaquindan, obviously, if uh, you know if he stays in the position or not, but um, I- I've loved about what I've seen from him so far.
0: They both in, and, and I think more in this case, because there is some question about whether or not this is really to ultimate landing spot at running back or whether he may not may or may not be back at quarterback. Uh, but for Glover reminds me so, so much of Zach Moss's freshman year where it's like, mm. you can see the potential, but you weren't right. necessarily wowed yet. Right. Uh but the story ended really well. So, yeah. Uh, so it's just kind of one of those things hanging in there with these guys, letting them have the opportunity to get better. Uh, and, and I think as the weeks go on, you do kind of see both of these guys having a little, some of those like light bulb moments where it's like, mm-hmm. ah, I did that last week and it did not work very well. But if I do this, It's going to work a little bit better. So that's a fun process to watch. And I'm excited for both of them on the defensive side of the ball. That was probably the best game that we've seen the defensive unit play. I also give them a lot more credit than I think most people do for the USC game. They just played with more fervor and fire and intensity than I think I've seen them play with all year it feels like they're rounding a corner and they're finally starting to get and look like the unit that we thought we were going to get at the beginning of the season it turns out they maybe needed a little more time what were your thoughts on the defense kind of carrying Utah through this past game
1: Uh, I think you're seeing kind of like you're talking about light bulbs um kind of go off uh you're seeing guys that are first year starters um, guys that are still fairly young. I think that's something that at least I overlooked coming Mm -hmm. into the season. Um, You know, we, we talk about guys like Van Fillinger and Junior Tafuna, but there's, there's a lot, I mean, and those guys are still pretty young. You know Mm -hmm. I mean? Those are set. Those are second year starters. Um, Whereas, you know, you've got guys out there like, you know, Jonah Ellis, Connor O'Toole, uh, Mickey Suguturaga, you know, guys that are just barely getting um, you know, their feet really wet in terms of starting and and fulfilling that role and I think that's something that like I said I personally overlooked but I think we're starting to really see the development come through they're learning from their mistakes Um, and it's and it's tough with the defensive line you know that's a tough position to get recognized for everything that you do all the time you know when I think the, the position that probably gets the most recognition a lot of the times are linebackers and safeties, you know, those guys are often the, the, the guys that are leading in terms of tackles um, and you're seeing it show up on the stats. Whereas, you know, defensive, you know, the defensive line, you know, they don't always get credit for, you know, putting, putting quarterbacks in a situation where somebody else then gets a tackle, right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, QB hurries and, and, you know, pressures and all that kind of stuff. It's not, it doesn't always show up you know on the stat sheet. Um, but I was impressed with Jonah Ellis. I think, you know, he forced, um, you know, Washington State's quarterback into some bad situations that led to some tackles for loss or, um, you know, they came up short. You know, Van Fillinger obviously had um, that strip sack that uh, you know, gave Utah the ball. Um, the player I was most impressed with, honestly, was Sione Vaki. Um, this is a guy that I've been talking up for a little bit. Um, I've seen what he's done on special teams, and then he goes out in his first start. You know, they run a bigger set. With the safeties, and he leaves the team with nine tackles and five, you know, solo tackles. So, I think you're just you're starting to see the development of some of those freshmen and those sophomores, uh, especially the first year starter sophomores, um, really come along. They're looking for mistakes. Um, they're getting that chemistry. And, and, and like you said, you know, they did enough against USC. And a lot of times, it's all you can ask your defense to do: do enough to help the offense um, answer and to keep yourself in the game. And that's what they did, and yeah, this last week was was you know, like you said, probably their best performance, and it'll be interesting to see how they kind of finish. Um, you know you you take every opponent seriously, but they kind of have some soft opponents here over the next few weeks before they go they head up to Eugene, and I'm really hoping to see you know, if they could hold these next two opponents under you know twenty points, you know, maybe fourteen, seventeen, something like that, or less. I think that would be really good before you, you know, you go face what appears to be an offensive drug or in, in the ducks.
0: I agree with your take that really we all in the media were very guilty of overlooking. I, I just assumed, you know, Van Fillinger had played most of last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Junior Tafuna had played most of last year. You know, some of these guys had played quite a bit last year uh, and I think there was just an assumption amongst most of us that that would have been enough. (laughs) And it turns out it wasn't, and that maybe wasn't fair. Uh, But it is fun seeing these guys kind of, like you said, have a light bulb moment and, and kind of figure things out and get better as the weeks go on. And the fact of the matter is Utah is still like the best defense in the PAC 12, even with the standard, not looking the way that we're, used to it looking uh, by, wow. by Utah football standards, uh, which is kind of crazy and mind blowing. Wow. Uh, but looking ahead to this Arizona game, uh, you did mention, you know, I, not the toughest opponent that Utah is going to play. I think their offense is quite good. I don't think their defense is where it needs to be.
1: Right.
0: What challenges do you see this team bringing forth, two rice on Saturday and how is Utah going to have to counter them?
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, the Wildcats have a good quarterback, you know, I think Jaden Delora, he's not a superstar, but he's good. Um, you know, he's, he's a guy that you've got to pay attention to. Um, you know, he's thrown for over 2,500 yards, 22 touchdowns. Like that's not, that's not an easy thing to do. And the PAC 12 is a pretty darn good conference this year. Um, so for me, it's, it's the passing game again, you know, it seems to be every single week, you know, Utah has got to defend against a really talented mobile quarterback. Um, and not that Delore is necessarily Caleb Williams or, or DTR or anything like that, but he's, he's good. And, um, you know, I think they're going to have their work cut out for them. And, you know, especially the secondary and, um and, and whatnot. So for me, you know, the key for this game is going to be, you know, how, how many, how many, how many takeaways can Utah force maybe through the air? Can we get a couple of interceptions? Can Clark Phillips extend? Well, I saw your tweet, um, you know, the other day talking about, you know, well, you know, Clark's interception streak against Washington state ended, but he can continue his interception streak against Jane Delora. So um, it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, can Utah, you know, pr- produce some picks? Um, can we see another pick six perhaps? Uh, you know, the run game, it's just not, it's, it's not a threat to me. You know, when you, when you look at it, I think they're averaging 135 yards a game. That's not going to do much. Um, mm-hmm. But in terms of passing, it's up at 340. Um, so that's, they can move the ball and, and they've showed too, they can hang with teams in the first half. Um, yep. you know, they did that against, You know, USC, you know, they did that against Washington. They did that somewhat against Oregon. They can hang with teams in the first half. And you don't want to have – so I think, you know, if Utah can go into the half up two scores, I think, you know, they can put the game to bed early and, you know, maybe we see some of that, uh, you know, second and third stringers come out. So, you know, passing defense is going to be big and making sure that you come out swinging so that you can, you know, finish these guys off before – before the half so that they're not sticking with you through the, through the second half.
0: How concerning are Utah's injuries in regards to this game? Obviously Cam didn't play last week, at least what I'm hearing, it sounds like he probably should be playing this week. Uh, But then you have questions also about Dalton Kincaid uh, Mm -hmm. and of course, Makai Bernard as well. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. um, From what I've heard, it's likely that Cam will play, but it's not confirmed yet. Mm-hmm. Um, there's still some questioning as to whether or not we might see Bryson. Again. Um, I don't. I, I lean more in the direction that we are going to see Cam. Uh, like I said, it's not confirmed. Um, Dalton, I think, is another question mark. Um, I over the weekend, you know, he still kind of had his sling on. You know, Saturday and Sunday. I think the. I think Utah actually posted a picture of him. Today on their social media, he wasn't in a sling, but that doesn't mean he didn't take it off. Um, so I think he's, I would probably say he's questionable. Um, they, and they might even look to see what they can do without him, just to give him some extra rest, because you do need him against Oregon, you know? And if if you're hoping to compete for a Pac-12 championship and you end up competing, you know, you need him. So I would put a question mark on Kincaid. As for Mackay Bernard, I think we'll see him try to make a go again, um, but I don't know, I... I think I think the game – I think the run game is still in the hands of Glover and Juquindon, uh for another week, maybe two, um, just based off of the things that I know are going on and, and what I've heard. I think Makai will give it a run, but I expect something similar to last week where it just it doesn't – it's not working yet. You know, he's not quite to where he needs to be in order to receive, you know, more than a few carries. I think he had two against uh, Washington State. So, Cam, I think we'll see him. Kincaid, question mark, Mikhail think he'll give it a go, but I'd expect to see majority of the carries to, uh, to Juquindon and, and Jalen.
0: If any of those guys sit out, who do you think needs to step up and have a big game against Arizona?
1: Oh, that's, that's the, uh, million dollar question this week, isn't it? Um, <laughs> looking at kind of the averages that they give, they allow over 200 yards, you know, 207 yards a game on the ground. So I, I would like to see, I'd like to see, you know, Jalen go for a hundred plus. And maybe we, you know, maybe Jaquindon is between 50 and 75, you know, and then whoever, you know, whoever's under center and, you know, maybe a couple other guys, you know, maybe we see another sweep from, from, uh, you know, JD or something like that. If Utah can get, I think over, you know, 250 yards, they have a good chance to win this football game. Uh, Arizona does not have a good rush defense. They've also allowed 21 touchdowns. So for me, that that run game is really going to step up. You know, regardless of who it is, and then you know if Kincaid sits out, I'd like to see Devon have a good game. Um, it was kind of weird last week. Um, I think he only had one reception. It was it was pivotal, big yeah. <laughs> you know, big catch at the end. But it was weird not to see him get targeted uh, very much. Just and especially. Um, you know, Bryson and, and Devon have a good, have good chemistry. Um, I haven't gone back and specifically watched um, to see if maybe they were doubling Devon. I don't think that's what was happening. Um, and obviously, you know, Dalton's kind of that security blanket, right. Um, mm-hmm. He's a guy that that's proven he'll catch pretty much whatever comes his way. Uh, but I think Devon's similar. So I, I would like to see, you know, if Dalton sits out, you know, I want to see Devon go for hundred, you know, hundred plus yards, you know uh, but to me, who's going to need to step up is is the guys carrying the ball on the ground.
0: Let's turn our attention for a minute to recruiting. We're kind of getting to that time of year where we're hitting up on the early signing period. Utah unfortunately had a pretty big decommitment the other day. Uh, You know, what, what are you seeing and hearing on the recruiting front for Utah currently?
1: Well, You know, you, you always, I think you always see the summer is interesting because, you know, you have heavy, heavy recruiting and it's fun, you know, while there's nothing really going on, um, you know, it's, it, it, you stay busy with, um, recruiting and, you know, you get these guys coming in and, um, you know, you get, you get exciting commits know, you get some four stars, You know, that's exciting for Utah. You get get quite a few three-stars, guys that maybe are underrated. Um, I wasn't – I was surprised by who decommitted um, a little bit just based off conversations I've had with him and, and, um, you know, his position, you know, the coaches that he had talked about, the relationships that he had. I was a little bit surprised. But, you know, I think fans need to realize at times – these are just kids. These are kids that are making a huge life choice that could determine significantly their futures. Um, and so, you know, hopefully, maybe we see this kid recommit at some point. I don't know. You know, he, I think he's, he's coming from out of Texas and, you know, Utah is a long way to come and it's a completely different culture. Um, it's tough. You know, I think, I think NIL is maybe kind of starting to have. A little bit of an impact um as someone that is involved in nil mm-hmm. and that does you know talk to recruits utah needs to step it up a little bit and that's that's much easier said than done um you know there's there's parts of the country where football is just religion you know and that's where you're going to find some of the biggest nil deals look at the sec there's guys signing six-figure contracts which is outrageous in my mind um But then, you know, there's other places like L.A. um, where you're going to find a lot of big contracts, you know, Texas. And so I think we're starting to see a little bit of an impact of, okay, you know, if I go to Utah, I have a good chance to develop and to play. And, you know, especially I'd say on the defensive side of the ball, you know, I have a great shot to get to the league. But. NIL isn't necessarily going to be there. You know, there's other programs there's, you know, four-star kids are going to have offers from some of those schools Going to have offers from the Texas schools and the SEC schools. And I think money talks a little bit. And when, you know, you're in a market like Utah, sometimes, and as as it currently stands, I don't think there's a whole lot of NIL attraction that's pulling in these kids. I think it's, I do think Utah still has uh, you know, they're attracting kids with their culture, um, with with the the way that the program's on the rise, that they're growing, they're competing for pac championships, they're being, you know, talked about as dark, you know, dark horses for, for contending for national championships, but eh, like Whittingham said, I think we're headed to the top 25 NIL markets are going to be probably the top 25 schools, So hopefully Utah can start to step it up.
0: Do you feel like there's any good news on the recruiting front, maybe coming down the pipeline
1: in terms of like
0: a commitment okay. that people would be excited about someone that they should be watching or following? It just feels like it's so doomy and gloomy. And, and the honest fact is if you look at, you know, where Utah currently stands in the recruiting rankings, uh, they're like, just barely off from being their best recruiting class. And it's, of course, this is not a complete recruiting class either, but it just has felt like guys have decommitted and it's partially because of the NIL thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, if, if not largely because of the NIL thing, but is there reason for optimism on the, on this front?
1: Yeah, I think, I think Utah has got some phenomenal running backs. Um, Coming up, you know, guys that are already committed—Michael Mitchell, um, Dijon Stanley, um, Kobe Boykin—for the class of 2024. Um, You know, these are kids that are, I think, been somewhat overlooked in terms of offers early on. I think that's something that Utah does a really good job of. They—they can sense talent at an early point, and they get these offers and they get them committed. And you're going to lose kids, you know, because. There's gonna be times where Utah sneaks in an early commitment, and then that kind of piques the interest of some other schools and those other schools that maybe are closer to home, especially especially with the places that Utah, you know, gets kids to commit from, Texas and Florida. And you know, you've got some major programs in those states um, that not only have better NIL situations, but are a little bit flashier. You know, they're playing in the SEC, you know, they're playing in um, you know, some of them are playing, you know, in the Big 12 and whatnot. So, to me, Utah, it hasn't quite gotten to the promised land of recruiting, but they still should remain positive. You know, fans should should be really excited, I think, about the guys that they still have. Um, this, the current class of 2022, you know, to see a guy like Jalen Glover do what he's doing and then go out and tweet that he loves this team, that's awesome. You know, that's big. Recruits are going to see that. You know, they're going to see that this four-star running back out of Florida that, that chose Utah over the University of Florida and Florida State, Miami, those kinds of schools picked Utah and is loving it. That's a that's a good thing to see. And so, yeah, it's it's, it's unfortunate they've lost two guys from this this uh, 2023 class that, that were pretty good. But for me, you know, keep an eye on those running backs, Michael Mitchell, um, you know, Dijon Stanley, Kobe Boykin 2024. That kid can move the football Um, and then some of the, some of the defenders, you know, a kid that I was really excited for when he committed over the summer, Jonathan Hall, um, he's listed as a linebacker. I believe he plays safety. It's kind of a a hybrid version of it. You know, he had some offers from, from some other schools. Um, you know, he had offers from some PAC 12 schools. Uh, He had offered from Florida state, um, LSU, um, TCU, Texas tech, Wisconsin, you know, Wisconsin. So like, this is a kid that had some pretty big offers, SEC schools, you know, um, in LSU, and he picked Utah. And this is a defender. So, you know, don't lose all hope. It it does seem gloomy because you just lost a four star, um, but you've still got some awesome, talented kids that I, like I said, I mean, Jonathan to me deserves to be a four star. You know, just the way I've watched a lot of his tape. Um, the physicality that he plays with. And and he's really, really smart too. So I think he's going to really fit in to this defense, you know, to the, the things that Scally's able to do. Um, so, you know, keep your heads high, you're going to lose kids. But I think given the situation, I think Utah is killing it in terms of their recruiting class.
0: Real quick, before I let you go, because you do get to do some of these NIL deals with the guys that are currently on the team, Talk about the makeup of this team because I thought last year's team was really, really impressive. And in some Mm -hmm. ways that's a tough group to beat. This team is largely more or less the same guys, but there just seems to be such a genuine attitude of love and support amongst Mm -hmm. them that I think is so refreshing.
1: Yeah. um, You know, you're dealing, when you're dealing with sports, you're always going to have egos and you know, you're dealing with, with college kids, you're going to have immaturity. And to be honest, those are two things that I have not dealt with very uh, really at all uh, doing this NIL stuff. Um, So some of the NIL stuff that we've been involved, I'll kind of preface it and be able to talk about some of these guys. So, um, you know, we've, we've done podcasts with, with quite a few of the players, Devon Vaila, and Gulver, Kareni Reed, Justin Medlock, Tao Johnson, Bryson Barnes, uh, Chase Kennedy. And then we've also got apparel deals, uh, for each of these guys. So what we've done is we've created a website, allutefans.com. Um, we've created designs for these players, uh, logos, you know, designs of them. We've also just signed a, a deal with the university to be able to use drum and, the drum and feather interlocking you block you, all that kind of stuff. And so I've dealt with these guys in a lot of different situations. I've dealt with them at photo shoots. I've dealt with them, you know, working with them doing graphic design. I've dealt with them, um, on podcasts and I've never had a bad, um, never had a bad conversation. Um, never heard them speak ill of each other. Um, they really are just phenomenal young men. Um, both the guys, you know, I, I'm dealing with, with, um, a lot of freshmen, you know, Jalen, uh, Tao, Justin, uh, Chase. And so it's it's been really cool to see those guys and have conversations because some of those guys aren't getting as many reps, you know, as everybody else. Like, yeah, Jalen's seen quite a few reps, um, but, you know, Tao hasn't seen a ton. Neither is Justin and, and Chase is, is still kind of developing. The promise for all these guys is sky high. You know, I mean, they're young, uh, but what it, what's refreshing to me from the freshmen is that they're not jumping ship. You know, we've seen that with the transfer portal. We've seen guys that, you know, there were some guys this spring, you know, that that kind of saw the writing on the wall of, okay, you're a freshman and you're not going to get a lot of playing time. And for some kids that have egos and think they're, they're, you know, big time already, they hit the transfer portal because they don't get it. But these guys get it. They understand, okay, you know what, this first season or, you know, maybe two, I might sit, but I'm going to get my opportunity. And that's how it works, guys. I mean, look at Devin Lloyd, you know. That's a guy that didn't play a whole lot, you know, in his first year or two, but then he shined for his last few seasons, and he's a first-round draft pick. They understand the process, and they trust it. So, to me, that's been really impressive, um, you know, with with some of the freshmen and some of the other guys that we've dealt with, uh, you know, Bryson Barnes, Karene Reed, Devon Bailey, guys that are a little bit older, guys that are married. it's been awesome. You know, each of those guys is a really cool story. Walk-ons all three of those guys, guys that were overlooked at a high school and had to prove themselves, um, in unbelievable ways. You know, Devon Vele said that he was waking up at 4 AM, uh, you know, taking the, he was living with family, um, here in the Valley and he was taking tracks up to practice, making sure that he was there, you know, first one in last one out type of deal. Um, you know, Corrine Reed, comes in and you know he kind of talked about um you know Utah does a good job of of not treating the walk-ons differently but mentally you know you kind of separate yourself um and he just kind of pushed through that and how he blossomed last year and then he, now he's a starter and then Bryson too you know a guy that's a walk-on that nobody's ever heard of him and then he trots out in the Rose Bowl and then he's doing things like he did against Washington State and there's chances that you know maybe we see him again this week but to me you know it's just incredible um, the amount of, of maturity that these guys have at a young age, um, the understanding of trusting the process, trusting the coaches, um, to put them in situations where they're going to develop and over time, then they can, they can earn their, earn their stripes. Right. I've heard that, you know, that phrase from several of them, you know, I ask them, you know, how are things going? They say, Hey, you know, I'll put in my time. You know, I gotta, I gotta earn my stripes. I gotta earn my reps. And they're okay with that. And to me, it's just so impressive to see these, you know, 18 year olds, 19 year olds, um, willing to do that and yeah they just love each other um and I think a, a perfect demonstration of that is the fact that they wanted to wear the tie and Aaron helmets um two weeks in a row <clears throat> you know they they chose to do that and it just shows the amount of love that they not only have for their fallen brethren but the amount of love that they have for each other um to want to go out and play for those for those guys so to me <clears throat> I've just been impressed Yeah, you know, we we it, I'm dealing with, with with young teenage kids um, but there's, I honestly don't feel, like, and it's, it's been a joy. It's been a lot of fun.
0: Well, Cole, thank you so much for jumping on with me. That was some really great information. We'll have to do this again soon.
1: Yeah, absolutely, thanks so much.
0: Okay, guys, that was Cole Bagley. He is your managing editor for Sports Illustrated, the University of Utah branch of it. Uh, we are about out of time here. I am, of course, your host, Michelle Bodkin, your Utah Utes Insider with KSL Sports, signing off of Crimson Corner. Until next time, and as always, go Utes.